Chapter 2. The Passage of the Marshes Gollum moved quickly, with his head and neck thrust forward, often using his hands as well as his feet. Frodo and Sam were hard put it to keep up with him, and he seemed no longer to have any thought of escaping. If they fell behind, he would turn and wait for them. After a time, he brought them to the brink of a narrow gully that they had struck before, but they were now further from the hills. Here it is, he cried. Here it is, away down inside. Yes, now we follows it. Out, out, away over there. He pointed south and east towards the marshes. The reek of them came to their nostrils, heavy and foul, even in the cool night air. Colum cast up and down a bank, and at length he called to them. Here, we can get down there. Schmeagel went this way once. I went this way hiding from the orcs. He led the way, and following him, the hobbits climbed down into the gloom. It was not difficult, for the rift at this point was only some fifteen feet deep and about a dozen across. There was running water at the bottom. It was, in fact, the bed of one of many small rivers that trickled down from the hills to feed the stagnant pools and mires beyond. Gollum turned to the right, southward, more or less, and splashed along with his feet in the shallow stony stream. He seemed greatly delighted to feel the water, and chuckled to himself, sometimes even a croaking sort of song. The cold hard lands, they bite our hands, they gnaw our feet, the rocks and stones are bare, old bones or bare of me, but stream and pool is wet and cool, so nice for feet, and now we wish... Hmm, ha-ha, what does we wish, he said, looking sidelong at the hobbits. We'll tell you. He guessed it long ago. Baggins guessed it. A glint came into his eyes, and Sam, catching the gleam in the darkness, thought it far from pleasant. Alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsting, ever drinking, clad in mail, never clinking, drowns on dry land, thinks an island, is a mountain, thinks a fountain, is a puff of air, so sleek and fair. What a joy to meet, we only wish to catch a fish. So juicy, sweet. These words only made more pressing to Sam, a problem that had been troubling him from the moment that he understood his master was going to adopt Gollum as a guide. The problem of food. It did not occur to him that his master might have also thought of it. But he supposed Gollum had. Indeed, how had Gollum kept himself from this lonely wandering? Not too well, thought Sam. He looks famished. Not too dainty to try what a hobbit tastes like if there was no fish, I wager. Suppose he could, could catch us napping. He won't, he won't. Not Sam Gamgee, for one. They stumbled along in the dark, winding gully for a long time, or so it seemed to the tired feet of Frodo and Sam. The gully turned eastward, and as they went on it broadened and gradually got shallower. At last the sky above grew faint with the first grey of morning. Gollum had shown no signs of tiring, but now he looked up and halted. Day is near, he whispered, as if day was something that might overhear him and spring on him. Schmeagel will stay here, I will stay here, and the yellow face won't see me. We should be glad of the sun, said Frodo, but we will stay here. We're too tired to go any further at present. 
You are not wise to be glad of the yellow face, said Gollum. It shows you up. Nice sensible hobbits stay with Schmeagel. Orcs and nasty things are about. They can see a long way. Stay and hide with me. The three of them settled down to rest at the foot of a rocky wall of the gully. It was not much more than a tall man's height now, and at its base there was a wide flat shelves of dry stone. The water ran in a channel on the other side. Frodo and Sam sat on one of the flats, resting their backs. Gollum padded and scrabbled in the stream. We must take a little food, said Frodo. Are you hungry, Shemigal? We have very little to share, but we will spare you what we can. At the word hungry, a greenish light was kindled in Gollum's pale eyes, and they seemed to protrude further than ever before from his sickly, thin face. For a moment he relapsed into his old Gollum manner. We are famished, famished we are, precious. What is it they eat? Have they nice fishes? His tongue lolled about between his sharp yellow teeth, licking his colourless lips. No, we don't have any fish, said Frodo. We've only got this. And he held up a wafer of limbus. And water, if the water here is fit to drink. Oh yes, yes, nice water, said Gollum. Drink it, drink it while we can. But what is it they've got, precious? Is it crunchable? Is it tasty? Frodo broke off a portion of the wafer and handed it to him on his leaf wrapping. Gollum sniffed at the leaf and his face changed. A spasm of disgust came over him, and a hint of his old malice. Schmeagel smells it, he said. Leaves out of the elf country, they stinks. He climbed in those trees and he couldn't wash the smell of his hands. Sorry. He climbed in those trees and couldn't wash the smell off his hands, my nice hands. Dropping the leaf, he took the corner of the limbus and nibbled it. He spat, and a fit of coughing shook him. <coughs> no, you tried to choke poor Schmeagel. Dust and ashes, he can't eat that. He must starve. But Schmeagel doesn't mind. Nice hobbits. Schmeagel has promised he will starve. You can't eat hobbits' food. He will starve. Poor thin Schmeagel. I'm sorry, said Frodo, but I can't help you, I'm afraid. I think this food would do you good if you would try it. But perhaps you can't even try. Not yet, anyway. The hobbits munched their limbness in silence. Sam thought it tasted far better somehow than it had for a good while. Gollum's behaviour had made him attend to its flavour again. But he did not feel comfortable. Gollum watched every morsel from hand to mouth like an expectant dog by a diner's chair. Only when they had finished and they were preparing to rest that he was apparently convinced that they had no hidden dainties that he could share in. Then he went and sat by himself a few paces away and whimpered. Look here, Sam whispered to Frodo, not too softly. He didn't really care whether Gollum heard or not. We've got to get some sleep, but not both together with that hungry villain nearby, promise or no promise. Schmeagel or Gollum, he won't change his habits in a hurry, I warrant. You go to sleep, Mr. Frodo, and I'll call you when I can't keep my eyelids propped up. Turn about, same as before, while he's loose. Oh, perhaps you're right, Sam, said Frodo. There is a change in him, but just what kind of change and how deep, I'm not sure yet. Seriously, though, I don't think there's any need for fear at present. Still, watch if you wish. 
Give me two hours, but not more, and then call me. So tired was Frodo that his head fell forward onto his chest and he slept, almost as soon as he had spoken the words. Gollum seemed no longer to have any fears. He curled up and went to sleep quickly, quite unconcerned. Presently, his breath was hissing softly through his clenched teeth, but he lay still a stone. After a while, fearing that he himself would drop off, he sat listening to his two companions breathing, and Sam got up and gently prodded Gollum. His hands uncurled and twitched, but he made no other movement. Sam bent down and said, Fish, close in his ear, but there's no response. Not even a catch in Gollum's breathing. Gollum scratched his head. He must really be asleep. And if I was like Gollum, he would never wake up again. He restrained the thoughts of using his sword. Or the rope. He let these thoughts that sprang to his mind disappear and went and sat down by his master. When he woke up, the sky above was dim not lighter, but darker than when they had breakfasted. Sam leapt to his feet, not least from his own feeling of vigour and hunger. He suddenly understood that he had slept the daylight away, nine hours at least. Frodo was still fast asleep, lying now stretched at his side. Gollum was nowhere to be seen. Various reproachful names for himself came to Sam's mind, drawn from the gaffer's large paternal word hoard, and then it occurred to him that his master had been right. There had for the present been nothing to guard against. They were, at any rate, both alive and unthrottled. Now I wonder where he's got to. Not far, not far, said a voice above them. He looked up and saw the shape of Gollum's large head and ears above the evening sky. Against the evening sky. Here, what are you doing? said Sam, his suspicious, suspicions coming back as soon as he saw the shape. Schmeagel is hungry. Be back soon. Come back now, shouted Sam. Hey, come back. But Gollum had vanished. Frodo woke at the sound of Sam's shout and sat up, rubbing his eyes. There's something wrong. What's the time? I don't know, said Sam. After sundown, I reckon. But he's gone off. Says he's hungry. Don't worry, said Frodo. There's no help for it. But he'll come back, you see. The promise will hold a while yet. And he won't leave his precious anyway. Frodo made light of it when he learned they had slept soundly for hours with Gollum, and a very hungry Gollum, loose beside them. Now don't think of any of your gaffer's hard names, he said. You're worn out, and it's turned out fine. We're both now well rested. And we have a hard road ahead, the worst road of all. About the food, said Sam. How long is it going to take us to do this job? And when it's done, what are we going to do then? This way bread keeps you on your legs in a wonderful way, though it doesn't satisfy the inners proper, as you might say. Not to my feeling, anyhow. I mean no respect to those who made it, but you have to eat some of it every day so it doesn't grow. I reckon we've got enough to last, say, three weeks or so, and that with a tight belt and a light tooth. We've been a bit free with it so far. I don't know how long we shall take to finish, said Frodo. We were miserably delayed in the hills. But Samwise Gamgee, my dear hobbit, indeed, Sam, my dearest hobbit, 
friend of friends. I do not think we need to give thought to what comes after that. To do the job, as you put it. What hope is there that we even shall do that? And if we do, who knows what will come of that? If the one goes into the fire and we're at hand, I ask you, what happens then? Sam, are we ever going to need bread again? I don't think so. If we can nurse our limbs to bring us to Mount Doom, that is all we can be asked to do. It's more than I can... More than I can... I begin to feel. Sam nodded silently. He took his master's hand and bent over it. He did not kiss it, though his tears fell on it. Then he turned away, drew a sleeve over his nose and got up and stamped about trying to whistle and saying between the efforts, Where's that dratted creature? It was actually not long before Gollum returned, but he came so quietly that they did not hear him until he stood before them. His fingers and face were soiled with black mud. He was still chewing and slavering. What he was chewing they did not ask or like to think. Worms or beetles or something slimy out of holes, thought Sam. Bleh, the nasty creature, the poor wretch. Gollum said nothing to them until they drunk deeply and washed himself in the stream. Then he came up to them, licking his lips. <sighs> Better now. Are we rested? Ready to go on? Nice hobbits. They sleep beautifully. Trust Schmeagel now? Very, very good. The next stage of their journey was much the same as the last. As they went on, the gully became ever shallower and the slope of its floor more gradual. Its bottom was less stony and more earthy, and slowly its sides dwindled to mere banks. It began to wind, wind and wander. That night drew to its end, but clouds were now over the moon and star, and they knew of the coming of day only by the slow spreading of the thin grey light. In a chill hour they came to the end of the watercourse. The banks became moss-grown mounds. Over the last shelf of rotting stone, the stream gurgled and fell down into a brown bog and was lost. Dry reeds hissed and rattled, though they could feel no wind. On either side, and in front of the wide fens and mires now lay, stretched away southward and eastward into the dim half-light. Mists curled and smoked from dark and noisome pools. The reek of them hung stifling in the still air. Far away, almost due south, the mountains of Mordor loomed, like a black bar of rugged clouds floating above a dangerous fog-bound sea. The hobbits were now wholly in the hands of Gollum. They did not know and could not guess in that misty light. They were in fact only just within the northern borders of the marshes, the main expanse of which lay to the south of them. They could, if they had known the lands, with some delay have retraced their steps a little, and then turned east, have come over hard roads to the bare plain of Daggerland, the field of the ancient battle before the gates of Mordor. Not that there was great hope in such a course. On that stony plain there was no cover, and across it ran the highways of the orcs and the soldiers of the enemy. Not even the cloaks of Lorien would have concealed them there. How do we shape our course now, Schmeagel? asked Frodo. Must we cross these evil-smelling fens? 
No need, no need at all, said Gollum. Not if hobbits want to reach the dark mountains and go see him very quick. Back a little and round a little. His skinny arm waved north and east. You can come on hard, cold roads at the very gate of his country. Lots of his people will be there. Looking for guests and very pleased to take them straight to him. Oh yes. His eye watches that way all the time. It caught Schmeagol there long ago. Gollum shuddered. But Schmeagol has used his eyes since then. Yes, yes. I've used eyes and feet and nose since then. I know other ways. More difficult, not so quick, but better, if we don't want him to see. Follow Schmeagol. He can take you through the marshes, through the mists. Nice, thick mists. Follow Schmeagol very carefully, and you may go a long way, quite a long way, before he catches you. Yes, yes, perhaps. It was already day, and a windless and sullen morning, and the marsh reeks lay heavy in banks. No sun pierced the low-clouded sky, and Gollum seemed anxious to continue the journey at once. So after a brief rest, they set out again, and were soon lost in the shadowy, silent world, cut off from all view of the lands about, either the hills that they had left or the mountains that they sought. They went slowly in single file, Gollum, Sam, Frodo. Frodo seemed the most weary of the three, and slow though they went, he often lagged, Hobbits soon found that what they looked like, what had looked like one vast fen, was really an endless network of pools and soft mires and winding half-strangled watercourses. Among these, a cunning eye and foot had, could thread a wandering path. Gollum certainly had that cunning and needed all of it. His head on a long neck was ever turning this way and that while he sniffed and muttered all the time to himself. Sometimes... He would hold up his hand and halt them, while he went forward a little, crouching, testing the ground with fingers or toes, or merely listening with one ear pressed to the earth. It was dreary and wearisome. Cold, clammy winter still held sway in this forsaken country. The only green was the scum of the livid weed on the dark, greasy surfaces of the sullen waters. Dead grasses and rotting reeds loomed up in the mists like ragged shadows of long-forgotten summers. As the day wore on, the light increased a little, and the mists lifted, growing thinner and more transparent. Far above the rot and vapours, the sun was riding high and golden, now in a serene country with floors of dazzling foam, but only a passing ghost of her could they see below, bleared and pale, giving no colour and no warmth. But even at this faint reminder of her presence, Gollum scowled and flinched. He halted their journey, and they rested, squatting like little hunted animals, in the borders of this great brown reed thicket. There was a deep silence, only scraped on its surface by the faint quiver of empty seed plumes and broken glass blades, sorry, grass blades trembling in small ear movements that they could not feel. Not a bird, said Sam mournfully. No, no birds, said Gollum. Nice birds, he licked his teeth. No birds. There are snakeses and wormses, things in the pools, lots of things, lots of nasty things. But no birds, he ended sadly. Sam looked at him with distaste. 